0: forward to the day when we're standing there with the angels singing that very thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And we thank you that you are a holy God and that you call us to holiness. I pray this morning that we would uh, have our ears open, our hearts open for what you have for us in your word this morning as we fellowship around the word together and worship of you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Miranetha, Would you take some time to greet those around you this morning? Well, good morning. Welcome to Maranatha. Uh, We are glad you're here worshiping uh, together with us, and I pray uh, that you would be blessed through worship today. Uh, We have just a couple of announcements that we want to let you know about. Uh, First off is that uh, today and next week, we still just have uh, just one service with uh, nothing added on afterwards except for some fellowship time with coffee and donuts. Uh, September 10th, we will... Uh, Go to uh, two services, uh, again, uh, as we've done in the past with uh, a Sunday school time for all ages being added uh, during that second service time. Uh, So mark your calendars for that. Uh, September 24th, we are having a ministry fair. This is an opportunity for you to get to know uh, the leaders of the different ministries for men's, women's uh, ministries, helping hands. Uh, many different ministries and hopefully get plugged in in a way you can use your gifts uh, to serve uh, our king. Uh, we've had a great summer of uh, ministries with m- different men's and women's events and I want to uh, could we just uh, take a minute to thank our men's and women's ministry leaders. Uh, They have done, uh, Justin and Nancy and and others have done a great job of just facilitating opportunities for uh, discipleship and for fun and for different things. There's been camping and canoeing and hiking and different things that have happened this summer. And uh, some of those will continue on into uh, the fall. Um, Just quickly, there is a women's retreat coming up October uh, 13th at Arrowhead, and you can get more information at the welcome desk. You can talk to me, talk to Nancy Peterson, give the church office a call, shoot us an email. We can get you information on that, ladies. We'd love uh, to have you attend that. Um, we have some new members. So, uh, Aaron and Becca, would you stand up? So, this is Aaron and Becca Strand, uh, new members to Maranatha. and uh we always ask the members uh, our new members just a few questions and the one i appreciated the most is we asked them where would they like to take a dream vacation and becca's like well i've always wanted to go to switzerland and do this this and that and if you look at aaron's response and he's like yeah i'd probably go to switzerland with becca so, uh, welcome to Erin and Becca. We're glad you're here uh, serving alongside us. They're involved in uh, the nursery and helping hands and women's ministry. and We are very glad that uh, they're here using their gifts uh, to serve us. Uh, Awana is starting soon, so I'm going to ask our Awana commander, Julie Mina, to come up, and we have some needs for volunteers.
1: Good morning. You all look so lovely. I'm Julie Minan. I'm the Iwana commander. Um, If you volunteered in Iwana last year, would you please stand? And I want you to take note of the black t-shirts. Stand up. Come on. Don't be shy. Yes. Thank you. I've been thinking a lot about legacy and sins of the father lately, and I know some families who have a beautiful legacy of Um, great-grandparents who passed down to the grandparents who passed down to the parents um, a strong faith in Christ Um, and as I watch parents passing down that same faith to their children I'm actually jealous because that's not what I um, knew as a child I lived through every kind of abuse Um, the sins of my stepfather passed down to me and didn't give me a walk of faith but of anger alcohol abuse promiscuity and divorce my sins passed down to my children and they also suffered abuse and lived reckless lives but God my favorite verse is first Peter 2 9 but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I lived in such darkness that I wanted to die. Why am I telling you this? Because if you're like me, you think the pastors have it all together. And maybe you think I have it all together, but I don't. I'm saved, but I'm not perfect. God redeemed me and he gave me a heart for children. And if I can reach a child, if my childhood can help me reach, we had 100 kids last year. You can bet at least one of them had a story like mine. If I can reach one of those children, it was worth it. But imagine if each one of you could reach one of those children. It's astounding. It makes me want to pee in my pants. we need about seven volunteers specifically we need four men to help in the boys small groups last year we had almost 50 volunteers look around the room i want you to look at all the men in this room there's a lot of you and guys you need to step up even cliff culver and ralph henningson the grumpy old men come every wednesday night Last year, out of our almost 50 volunteers, we had seven men. If you think women aren't busy, talk to your wives. We are busy as well. But whether you're a man, a woman, young or old, we can use you. If you're interested in volunteering, find one of those directors in a black shirt. It says their title on the back of the shirt, so they're easy to spot. Um, Pastor Aaron or myself, and we'll get you plugged in. If you are not bringing your kids to Awana, it's not too late to start a legacy. We are having registration under the awning this Wednesday from 6 to 7.30. Um, Bring your checkbook. And uh, kickoff is September 6th in the ministry center. God uses broken people even people like me.
0: Thank you, Julie. Um, Awana is one of my uh, favorite ministries. I've grown up in Awana, been a part of Awana in some way since I was three years old. Um, During my time at at Moody Bible Institute, I got to be a part of uh, an Awana program as a leader. Obviously, as I transition out of the age group, I was able to be a leader and continue on, and it's one of my favorite ministries. Uh, it's uh, it's a great excuse to have fun while you're discipling kids. So, um, if if you don't feel it's something you can do, you're wrong, because uh, it is something you can do. It's totally something you can do. Uh, you don't need to uh, have any special set of skills other than loving Jesus Christ. Uh, to be a part of Awana, and so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we need you. We need seven able-bodied volunteers. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, because uh, working with people is never easy. Um, but it will be uh, very rewarding, and you will be blessed through th- uh, this ministry. Uh, I'm gonna. Speaking of legacy, as Miss Julie alluded to, I'm gonna ask Leon Freitag to bring his parents up here. Um, we uh, at Maranatha, rather than uh, baptizing uh, infants, we believe in a, that dedication cl- uh, more closely follows uh, a biblical model. Uh, and we don't just, uh, we, often they're called baby dedications, but we like to call them family dedications uh, because Kevin and Hallie and, and Carol and Leon are uh, a unit working together. Uh, for the kingdom of God. And uh, we want to come alongside them as a church, as their brothers and sisters in Christ, and help them as best we can uh, in whatever stage of life they're in. So, Kevin has some scripture, I believe, uh, to read over Leon.
2: Um, yeah. Hallie and I believe strongly in God's sovereignty. Um, and so, today we. Uh... No, not right now. Um, Today we just dedicate Leon to the Lord um, and we entrust him to God's plan um, for his life. So I'm going to read the words of Psalm 139 um, that just talk about God's sovereignty. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Thank you, Kevin.
0: All right, uh, Kevin and Hallie, I'm gonna ask you some questions and if you would uh, uh, state your intentions by uh, saying we will. Uh, Will you commit before God and these people to train Leon in the ways of the Lord? Will you accept your God-given responsibility to raise Leon in a Christ-centered home? And will you promise to love Leon unconditionally as the Lord loves you and to involve him in a fellowship with the body of Christ in the local church. All right, now Pastor Cody has uh, some questions for us.
3: As Pastor Aaron mentioned, this is something that we as a church, we are excited to have a family be dedicating just their role and their responsibility with their children, but we also as a church, as you heard even this morning with Awana, we wanna be a part of that as a church, helping families come alongside them during this time. So, Maranatha, I have a few questions to ask you. Please affirm your desires by answering each of these. We will. Will you commit to supporting the family and the training of Leon? Will you come beside them and encourage them in their role as parents? Will you help them in every way possible see that Leon knows the love of God and the love of the church body? Join me as we pray father god we thank you for your love and your grace and truly as the passage was read we know that you are sovereign and you are good and we thank you for every child that is given we thank you for the life that is here and we pray just protection over their family we know that the enemy does not want them to train their children up in the lord so we ask father god that you would protect them and we thank you so much for their desire to allow their children to know you and to grow in you and to show the great love that you have for us and we as a church commit to coming alongside them supporting them through the seasons of their life and this we pray in the mighty name of jesus amen 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 well good morning church Now, this doesn't always happen, but I want to encourage you to think this way. Last night when I was getting close to falling asleep and I was was getting tired and we were all camping, so I was enjoying the smell of my skin that was cologne by that campfire and the bacon that was on the steaks before that. But I was falling asleep, I was thinking, I'm so happy about Tomorrow. Even though I don't know what some of the circumstances may be, I didn't know if my truck would make it completely back here. I thought maybe I'll have to call Tony to pick me up. i got to get to church. I don't know some of the circumstances, but a few things I for sure knew. I knew that I would wake up and see my best friend. Although she got up earlier than I did, so I kind of woke up, there's my best friend, went back to sleep. I knew, and this is very special to me, I knew that I was able to get to church and I would be surrounded by my friends. Even though my best friend is still cleaning up where we were at, I get to be with you. And that makes me, I even thought I was like, I get to be with some of my best friends. You know, Donnie usually sits over here. I don't even know where Donnie is. No, Rick's over here now. Donnie, where are you? Shubal, where are you? I saw you roaming around. There he is. See, I got to walk this way to see something back. Yeah. I get to be with some of my best friends. That is special to me. And then afterwards, after church is done, I'm going to Cumberland to the parade. How many are going to the parade today? Maybe you didn't know. Go to Cumberland the parade. I get to be with some of my friends there. And now I've got a group of new friends. They're all biker guys. Where's Joe? I saw him. He was, he was welcoming there. I said, are you going to be in the group? He said, no, he's not. He's to be working at his home. But I get to be with some of my new biker friends. I don't really look like a biker guy, but I'm going to be with them, anyways. And then hopefully that when that's all done, I don't know if I'm going to make it OT, But I'm coming to the well banquet. How many are going to the, not the banquet, the the picnic? I know Peter's, yeah. So I'm going to go to, and there's some of my friends there. And hopefully some of my new friends as, as I get to meet some of the Somali population. Today's a special day. We get to be with friends. And we may differ in certain ways. Did anybody see what was on Pastor Aaron's shirt today? Yeah, it's a laugh. Pastor Aaron, there you go. I'm dressed appropriately. Okay, there, I had to put that on. All right. When I think back in my history, friendships are very important to me. Especially those in ministry. And I thought about showing a bunch of the people I have in ministry that I go to. I've got a lot of old people I turn to that have been in ministry for 40, 50 years. And I lean upon them. I ask them questions. They pray for me. They send me texts. Here's a picture, sorry Stacey, I, I forgot to tell you when that picture was going to show up. Here's a picture of some of the people that I graduated with in my youth ministry at Trinity. I'm in there, I'm. where's my mullet? Back there, you can't see my hair, but oh well. These were some of my closest friends. We were eager to go into ministry. Some of us were already doing ministry. And I look at that and I just go, look at some of my friends here. We kept in touch, kids, back in the day we had this thing called pencil and paper and you'd lick a stamp. Now you just stick them on there. And we'd write, how many wrote letters in the past, right? We wrote letters to our friends. And I remember in ministry, the couple of years of ministry, we wrote each other letters saying, look, here's what I'm doing, pray for me, what are you doing? And when I pull this picture up, I remember thinking, wow, some of my friends here didn't make it in ministry. Because ministry is tough. They weathered some storms and some did not. And I continue to pray for some of my friends. Today we're going to look at this great friendship letter, as many call it, Philippians. Talking about the importance of the friendships that we have. So before we begin, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the friendships that we have in this room. And I, I honestly, I'm very, very privileged to have in this room so many friends. Not just the friends that I see on Sunday, but some of my friends we've hung out. And in fact, I thought about putting the picture, I've got a group of guys we go once in a while to Famous Dave's, my favorite restaurant, and we just hang out. I thank you for my best friend, Amber. I thank you for my friends. I'm going to be hanging out this afternoon in my new group of friends with motorcycles. We pray for the well ministry as they're having their picnic this afternoon or this evening. Lord, you are a friend of sinners. And I thank you that you are my friend. Spirit of God, I ask right now that you work in our hearts as we look at this concept of friendship in Scripture. This letter of friendship that we've been going through. And this I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I just realized this. So I'm going to say this out loud. You're probably like, oh boy, here we go. I remember, I thought of this last week. I'm like, well, we don't have any uh, Sunday school afterward, you know, adult discipleship groups. We can go on. There's no really games going on. That's important. So I feel like I'm in a third world country or other countries where I preach. I can go for three hours. This is great. But I won't. Three aspects. What we're going to do today is look at three aspects of Paul's life and then three applications which, with each of those. The first one will be the people in Paul's life. He's going to say some names here. We've even skipped over a section in chapter two that we're getting to today. As I thought, let's talk about this as we talk about friendship. Then the focus in Paul's letter, which will be evident here, and then the destiny in Paul's perspective. Paul just doesn't live each day as though it's going to be a day, he always has this great eternal perspective. So the people in Paul's life. As I said, many call this a friendship letter. And this is seen in how he addresses people in this letter. And often he'll do this. He'll, he'll say something, he'll address, say, hey, this is who I am, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, called by the will of God or whoever it is. And he addresses who the letters to. And then often towards the end of the letter, he'll address certain people, key figures in the church, or address a group of people. Let's look now into this friendship letter. In fact, what I would like you to do is go to Philippians chapter 2, if you could, before we get to chapter 4, which is where we're at. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 19. Philippians two nineteen, and then when we get to the end of that, then we're going to go to chapter 4, verse 1. So Philippians chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. But I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because he's a son with his father, has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go for me. Verse 24. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Verse 25. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs may have less anxiety. Here's something, just a little side note. Paul has anxiety. We'll talk about that as we get into chapter 4 in a couple of weeks here. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Now turn just a page probably over to chapter 4. Therefore my brothers and sisters you whom I love and long for my joy my crown stand firm in the Lord in this way dear friends I plead with Eodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord yes And I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the Gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. So what I want to do is help you through this, because we we did this the first time we, we began Philippians, but I want to help you kind of think through what's happening here with this story, what's going on, a little timeline and a map here. So I've got a map here, I think, of where we are. If you recall, Paul was working his way, doing ministry, and he wanted to just keep doing ministry, and he said, here's where I want to go. And we find out in Acts chapter 16, which again, we'll get to probably in a year when we're going through the book of Acts, the Lord said, no, you have plans, but I have different plans for you. Paul wanted to do more work in the area, but the Holy Spirit kept him from doing so. And God gave him a vision one night to travel and proclaim the good news to the people in a different region. In obedience to the vision, he made the decision of leaving and setting to Asia Minor. That's where Philippi is. It's the site of a key military place where the victory of Caesar was. And the result, it was made into a Roman colony. So let me just give you just quick three little aspects of the timeline here as we see what's going on here. Number one, Paul became a Christian in 30 A.D. Paul's story is one of redemption. And I'm trying to find out before we close the book of Philippians here where we can spend a good 15 minutes just talking about Paul. He found redemption in Jesus Christ and his amazing testimony shows that no one is beyond God's saving grace. Amen? If you don't believe that, look in a mirror. In a spiritual mirror. So Paul becomes a Christian. The persecutor of the church. Paul came to the city of Philippi in 40 AD. We, we learn about this in Acts chapter 16. Paul was on, as if you recall, his second missionary journey. Going, visiting some of the churches he was at, and then God calls him to go here. He gets to Philippi in the town. is primarily a Roman with Greek as the main language for commerce and all that's going on. And there, he meets some women by the water, if you recall, and they praise the Lord, and he shares about the Gospel. They're God-fearing women, and a church plant begins. Philippi was the first city in present-day Europe where Paul establishes a church. Then, in 62, the year of our Lord, that's what AD stands for, Paul was arrested, and then writes this letter to his friends at the church. Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians while in prison, probably in Rome. He hopes to send Timothy, as we just read, who would give an update on Paul's trial and then see how they're living out what Paul has been teaching them and give that message back to Paul. But until then, Epaphroditus was sent with this letter of the news of what's going on that we currently have. So let's talk about some of the people in Paul's life. First, Timothy. Timothy appears as Paul's most trusted companion. Some of the words, I have no one like him. Everyone knows he's the man. Although Jesus is the man for us to live as Christ, to die as gain, it's very important to know that there once in a while comes along someone we go, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. Timothy fits that. We read in the New Testament about their professional and personal ministry together. There's ups and downs. There's teamwork. There's mentorship. There's failure. There's success. But they are truly companions. A little side note. I encourage every one of you to have a friend who's a Christian who's either older than you and or younger than you. Find someone that you can learn from. Find someone that you can pour yourself into. We heard of the great need that we have at our church. We need seven men, is it? Four men, seven volunteers. volunteers. Let's make it seven men. We need seven men to pour into our children. And I encourage you to do that find someone like a Timothy that you can pour into and if you're like Timothy find someone older that can pour you now you might be going oh pastor Cody I could be your grandpa still you can find someone who's old in the faith to help you along so we got Timothy then we got Lydia a merchant seller of purple clothing She was also a worshiper of God. She was there. She heard the gospel of Jesus. God opened her heart, I love that, to pay attention to what Paul was sharing. And then the church starts. Then we've got in this chapter 4, we're in chapter 4, take a look, my unnamed companion. My special companion. We don't know who this is. So I'm not gonna to add to it. Why would I try to figure that out? We just don't know who it is. We got Clement, we don't know much about him, yet we know that he was called to help. Then we've got Iodia and Syntyche. We really don't know who they were. Greek names meaning, Eodia means success or prosperous journey. And then Syntyche means lucky. We should name Luck, Wisconsin, Syntyche instead. They're Greek names. We don't know much about, but we'll talk about them here in a moment. Then we got Epaphroditus. Now the letter begins talking about him and just he's very important. Again, Paul wants to send Timothy, but Timothy and he are engaged in stuff right now, so he's unable to go, of course, because he's in prison, but Timothy is not able to, so instead he's going to send this guy who is very close to them, he was ill, sick, almost died. They were praying. Everyone was praying. Now he's healthy. He's excited to go and deliver this letter. And he's the one who writes. Paul writes the letter and he sends this with him and hopefully Timothy will come. That's kind of what's happening here with the timeline and the people. But one thing I've noticed about Paul and the people as we're talking about that are the many words of affection shown in this friendship letter. Take a look again at the first part of Philippians chapter 4. Five terms of endearment. Each word is drawn, and I, as I, looked, I was going to look at it, he just stacks them right up. But then I realized these words were also said before. And that's common with Paul. He likes to summarize everything towards the end of his letters. They are his family, brothers and sisters. This comes from chapter 1, verse 12, chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 17. So everything he says comes from the reality that he belongs with them. They are the family of God. It's kind of like how I feel today with you. This is my family. They are now united as an eternal family. heavenly family you belong to something greater than even what's on earth I love my family I've got a quirky family in fact I was hanging up with someone recently and they're going well my my stepbrother and all this I said you know what I understand I got stepbrothers I got a stepbrother I have never even met and when I was a kid growing up I was like my family stinks divorce alcoholism I was just like oh what is going on Lord but I knew I had a heavenly family, amen? And I will never forget. I was in college, Oh, in fact, it was my first year of grad school. For my first year of grad school, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to probably just, you know, someday I might get married. And so I probably should hang out with some girls. I don't know, I mean, ugh, I don't know what this is like. And I met a girl, she went to Wheaton, where's Tony? Yeah, she went to Wheaton. And uh, we were kind of hanging out, we'd hang out on Sunday nights where we'd have this prayer revival thing. And she kind of started liking me. I was like, whoa, okay, that doesn't happen often. Pay attention, Cody. And as our friendship developed, one night she just cut it off. She asked about my family. shared about my family. She came from out east, from a prominent family and all this stuff. And she's like, "Nope, you're not the kind of guy for me. Not with that family. I was like, what? My heart was so... Not just broken, like, oh, I liked you. and now broken. I was just, like, hurt. And I'll never forget. I think it was, like, on a Friday. I was then coming home for that weekend. Parents are divorced, so, like, who do I hang out with? I don't know. But I remember going to church. At the time, when I was, you know, back in my college days and grad school days, when I come home, I go to Christ the Rock. I'll never forget walking up to the church. And there was my youth pastor's mom. Jan Lens. She went, Cody, and gave me the biggest hug and cried. And then I cried. Because I belong to a family. No matter how hard life gets, never forget where you belong. Amen. The great term of affection here. They are deeply loved. This comes from chapter 2, verse 12, where he calls them my beloved. My dear friends, loved, and He has great affection for them. They are longed for. Look at the next one. They are longed for. He desires to be with them. Even last night, I'm like, I'm camping. I smell awesome. Why would I leave this campground? This is great. Oh, tomorrow I get to be with my friends. I long to be with you as a family. In fact, it's interesting when we pray for certain people, either if they're sick or they're gone or missionaries, I long to see them because I pray for them so much. In fact, I said to someone who had some heart problems today, I said, man, it's great to see the person I've been praying for. I long to see people. God can testify. Look at verse chapter 1, verse 8 says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of God Christ Jesus he clearly loves them and longs for them the fourth word is joy and this is kind of one of the main central themes that we'll get to in the next couple of weeks here this expresses what it's like when he gets to think of them and be with them and the last one is they are his crown chapter 2 verse 16 when he talks about boasting in them, when they stand before the Lord together, that eternal perspective. This is the victor's crown, the prize that they will wear together when they have won the race at the end of history. Amen? We get to be together. I love these words of affection. So let me just say this. Who are the people in your life? Do you have people you long for? I encourage you, get involved this fall. Get connected with our church through Bible studies, through helping with the youth group, Awana, Sunday school, all the different things we have going on. Get connected and have people in your life. Find people who will help you. Look for those above you who walk in a spiritual way that you're not there yet. And that's okay because you're learning and growing. I have a handful of them in my life. Look for people that you can express your gratitude. Here's a little thing I would say. This week, find five people that you can, this might be tough, get the old pencil and paper out and write an actual letter. Don't type it but write an actual letter of gratitude expressing your friendship. Find five people. You can. You know what? I want to express my... Paul just says, he unloads these great five terms of endearment to people that are very important. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Pray over the letter as you send it. I recently this week send out a pile of, I don't know, probably 70 letters. And I prayed, Lord, use these letters to impact... People's lives. All right, now the focus in Paul's letter. The information here draws together the many themes that he's been talking about. Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3. And like I said, Paul does this usually towards the end of his letters, some of his smaller letters. This forms a natural conclusion to the themes. What are they? Stand firm against false teachers. And pursue unity these two themes are brought up from the previous chapters in fact listen to chapter 1 verse 27 then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel being unified And standing firm. That's the key thing that he's pushing here. Stand firm. Standing firm in the same mindset or be steadfast in the gospel. He calls to stand firm against any evil that violates the kingdom of God. Stand firm in the gospel and stand firm against false teachers. That's why I think it's very, very important for pastors to Go to some type of school. Go to some type of training. If there's a young pastor, some guy that wants to be a pastor, I'm like, that's great. If God calls, you can be a pastor. That's awesome. But try something else first, because it's, it's, you've got to make sure it's God's calling you, not just your own. And then secondly, I encourage you, find some way to get trained so you know how to handle the Bible properly. We must remain steadfast in light of the serious dangers that can affect our relationship with God. We must deeply be grounded in the truth. And that's why, for me, I love that our children memorize so many Bible passages. Getting grounded in the truth. Stand firm, but also unity. This deep community of fellowship among believers. Listen to chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And this unity is expressed in this fancy Greek word, koinonia. It's a word that was very popular, as I look at, like even American culture became very popular in the 70s. I don't know why, maybe because there was a band called that or whatever, but this was a popular word, and it's maybe not as popular today. The primary meaning of this word, it shows up 20 times in Scripture. Meaning fellowship. Sharing in a common understanding and goal. It is the unity of the Spirit that comes from Christian shared beliefs. What we believe, remember, the essentials, the main core things, what we believe. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Our convictions, this is where we stand and the behaviors, and be united in purpose. This unity and fellowship is more than just a surface-level friendship. Hey, we're friends. It's more than just, hey, let's hang out, we're friends. We've got something in common. This is a spiritual concept. An intimate, holy unity that you and I have as fellow believers, as children of the Most High. It involves the oneness in spirit, community, life, sharing, caring for one another. And I'm going to share more about this as we get into the book of Acts chapter 2. So Paul's big thing is stand firm and be unified. Paul brings up this and then he refers to two people he knows were not living in such a manner. Euodia and Synthachea. Two people that were not living in such a way. But the conflict is unknown. It's interesting, Paul just mentions it, says them by name, the conflict's unknown. Paul doesn't refer to the actual issue. It could be a couple things. One, it could be a situation of personal conflicts. Maybe there's a power struggle. Chapter two, care for one another. It's not about your own lifestyle. It's about caring for others, not your own ambitions. Maybe there was a power struggle. We don't know. Or it could be a series of disagreements on ministry. This is how it should be done. This is my philosophy of ministry compared to this philosophy of ministry. And we see this often in churches. And how churches differ. For instance, we differ from a couple churches in philosophy of ministry. If I was to spend, let's say, a week with some of my, some of my great friends, let's say, like every, every Wednesday I pray with Pastor Todd from Red Cedar, Pastor Steve from the Baptist Church, Pastor Alan from the Assembly of God Church, and Pastor Ned from Living Water. There are some pretty serious differences in how we do ministry compared to other churches do ministry. But here the problem is there's disagreement on it. That could be possibly it. Or it could be a mishandling of important doctrinal issues. You know what? We got a bunch of Gentiles here. They haven't been circumcised yet. So let's get the old chopping... Okay, just kidding. All right. Maybe there's a difference. Maybe they're taking minor things, making them major things. (laughs) Let me just say this. You know I'm a conservative guy. Grew up in a conservative Baptist church as a boy. I'll never forget. (laughs) We went someplace, and across in the restaurant, this is back in the day. Remember, there were ashtrays everywhere, right? In restaurants. I remember sitting there, and my dad saw someone from church smoking, and he went, wow, I thought he was a Christian. (laughs) That was the mindset that was kind of drilled in me. The problem was, my dad was making a minor thing a major thing. Very, very dangerous. We don't know the specifics, but they apparently have not been living out, or doing the gospel in the Lord. So that phrase, in the Lord, is very key to me. So whatever the issue is, Paul is telling his women to apply and get back to the gospel in the Lord. Don't let particular issues cause greater trouble for the advancement of the gospel. Don't bring shame to the name of Christ. That's the big thing I think. Whatever, whatever the issue is, I don't think it was a power struggle. I don't think it was, I personally, as I've studied through this and thought through this and looked at how Paul deals with conflict and stuff, I think it was an issue of like a major minor doctrine. I think they were probably fighting about that. But I, 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 we have no idea. Whatever it is, don't bring shame to the name of Christ. Live out the gospel. And here's what I find encouraging. Paul doesn't, shame them, even though he says their names. He doesn't minimize their work. He doesn't place himself above them. He doesn't take sides. Well, oh, I'm with Synthakem. No, no. What he, he corrects, but also affirms these women. Says, these are my friends. Even though they're not doing things right now, they were my co-workers with the Gospel. And I love how he speaks of these women. Even that their names are written in the Lamb, the book of life. His concern is not with who's right and who's wrong, but rather with the greater need of reconciliation and unity for the sake of Christ. We must have unity with other believers, true believers and sisters in Christ. We must agree on the gospel essentials. I tell you, with my other pastor friends that I meet with every week and we pray, there's honestly, Ned and I, we differ on baptism. Yep. When it comes to Pastor Al and I, we differ on spirit baptism. With Steve and I, he's my theological comrade, so I'm pretty much neck and neck with him on most issues. We must be united in the gospel. Conflict rarely goes away without help. And to ignore it is dangerous for the church. Notice how he says, I call upon my true companion. Help out in this area. Again, there's a lot of speculations some people say, oh, "Well, it's probably Luke or someone else." No, we don't know who it was. It's important at times for others to get involved. And I've learned that we as a church have done that. When we've had conflict, the conflict, not conflict. When we have conflict, the first thing I think is all right. I'm so grateful we're connected with the denomination. I'm so grateful that we have John Payne, Rob Wisey. Men of God who've understood and they care for churches all the time. Hey, we need a little help here. Something's going on. Am I doing something wrong? Help me think clearly through this. And come to one of our meetings. Please, watch what's happening. See where the issues are. And we of a church have done that by calling on our denomination to help overcome differences. Application here. May your focus be on Christian steadfastness, be firm in the gospel, and be unified. Lastly, the destiny in Paul's perspective. It is very interesting and encouraging that Paul ends this section with a focus and perspective on heaven. Remember last week? Being heavenly minded is so important, and Paul is usually like that. He has already mentioned this, boasting in the day of the Lord, chapter 2, verse 16. Paul says that their names will be the names in the book of life. And there's this theme in Scripture, both old and new, that talks about this. I won't read all the passages. I won't say all this, the passages. My notes are online. By the end of the today, you can look them all up here. This theme, written in heaven, is one in the Old Testament, one in the Gospels, and obviously in the book of Revelation. The book of life is the divine document of those who belong to Christ and heaven. This is a book containing the names of the righteous. As Daniel says, as Psalm says, this is linked also with chapter 3, verse 20, which Ben shared on, emphasizing that these leaders are citizens of heaven and we have this assurance, we have this, I would say personally, this security that it is guaranteed I belong with him. It is a great image for those who are citizens in Philippi, who are proud of their connections, whether it be the Greek or the Roman or the Jewish, the Gentiles, whatever it is, remember, no matter what, be heavenly minded. You belong to God. In Christ, they are citizens of a far greater empire than what they are currently living in. Rome thought that it would last forever. Gone. In light of all of this, The unity and peace of the church is to be critical because we belong to something greater than that which is here so let me end with this do you know your destiny those who are in christ not based upon our righteousness not based upon anything that we can do we went through that in chapter 2 nothing we can do but because of the obedient work of Christ. His righteousness is what I'm clothed in. And I belong to something greater than what is here. My destiny is heaven. I began saying, I was ex- last night I was excited about today. Very excited. I get to be with my friends. Church, parade, bikers, the well picnic. I'm excited. But I don't know the Certain situations that may pop throughout the day. My car could have broke down. Something may happen. I may not make it to the parade. I might get sick pretty soon. I don't know. But right now that doesn't matter because my eyes are on the prize, amen? On the author and finisher of my life. So I encourage every one of you. As Christians, let's be unified with the key essential things. This is where we're going as a church. Let's be unified and trust the Lord and he will use us. Amen? I'm excited what the Lord's already doing. We had 17 baptisms. That was beautiful. Be grounded in the gospel. Know the beauty of Jesus. And if you don't know that, as soon as I pray, I try to slip out there and say goodbye to those who don't want donuts. Why would you not want donuts and coffee? But that's okay. Okay. But if you want to talk to me about that, I would love to talk to you. Pastor Aaron would love to talk to you about that. Pastor Tony would love to talk to you about that. Know where you're headed. And that can only be found in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the beauty of friendship that we experience here on earth. I pray for my fellow classmates from college. (laughs) I remember Kurt Blocker. He was in the picture there with me. His first first youth ministry job was horrible for him. People hated him, yelled at him. It just was just a mess. He lasted a year and a half. But he knew his calling was to continue to do your work. And now he's been at a church for almost 20 years as their youth pastor. How beautiful. Continue to bless His ministry. Lord, we pray for the different churches in our town. I thank You so much for the friendships that we have as a church with other churches in our city. We pray for Red Cedar. pray for Wes right now. If he's preaching, just fill him with your spirit. May he proclaim the Gospel. I pray for Alan at the assembly of God. If he's preaching, just fill him with your spirit. May he proclaim the beauty of Jesus. I pray for my brother Steve. If he's preaching, use him. I know he's prepared. He's deep in the Word. But use use those words that he studied to impact his church. We pray for Ned. I believe he's preaching. Lord, may may he shine forth the light of Jesus to the people in Cameron. Thank you for our friendships we have. The unity we have. And also, Lord, I'm going to pause and say I know that we're not unified with some people, which should be right. In fact, there's a church, well, it's not a church, there's an organization in town, they call themselves a church, they wanted to join the Rice Lake Ministerial Association, which is a Christian organization. And we have said no to them because they are not Christians. They are some weird cultic thing that we said no to. Help us know false teaching. And Lord, I pray that we would keep our gaze on heaven. One eye in heaven, one eye on earth. I might have my head sideways most of my life, but that's how I'm going to look. I'm going home someday. And I thank you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.